This is Melissa Lau, Associate Pastor of Congregational Care and Missions at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Throughout January, we will be exploring a biblical approach to the usage of the Enneagram for our spiritual formation. Please jump in and learn along with us as we go on this transformative journey. Thanks again for listening. God bless. Well, as I said earlier, this is the final week of a sermon series we've been doing called Find Your Design in 2021. And we've been looking at ways that God has designed us, shaped us, molded us. We've looked at our weaknesses. We've looked at the ways that we are each unique in the way that God has formed us and that we all have something to offer to God's kingdom. No matter who we are or where we come from, God has uniquely designed and gifted us. And today, we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul would call the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to explain what that means in a little while. But in one way, what it really means is once we come into more a connection with how we're designed, how God has formed us, that we're able to love the world around us uh, even better. Once we know our capabilities, once we know our strengths and our weaknesses, we are even, I believe, more readily equipped to love our neighbor as ourself, as we should. You know, reconciliation can look a lot like going back to the start. Reconciliation can look a lot like a pardon, a, a pardon from a crime you've committed, maybe. You know, just uh, uh, every four years, every outgoing president pardons all sorts of people. Reconciliation can look a lot like a pardon. And then reconciliation can then look like walking in newness of life, walking with your cup being full of new life because you've you've gone back to the start, you've been reconciled with God, and you've received pardon. You know, uh, just last night, I was playing a board game with my family, and it made me think of the board game Monopoly, which many of us are used to playing. I remember playing my grandmother's set of Monopoly that was from the 1960s. I can still remember the smell of that board and the money and the little hotels and the little things you'd move around. And we've all played Monopoly. Now there's like so many versions of Monopoly, it's ridiculous. There's even a Monopoly cheaters edition. For those in your family, you know who you are, that like to take a little bit extra money from the bank, maybe when you shouldn't. And so there's all sorts of versions of Monopoly, but there's one part of the Monopoly game that's really important, and it's called the chance card. You could land on chance, and then you got to pull a card from a deck, and there's just a few options that could happen with chance. But one of the chance cards will say, go back to the start, and you feel like you're being penalized, but you're not. You're going back to the start, and then it says, collect $200. So it feels like you're being penalized, but you're actually being rewarded. You're receiving a pardon. You're getting a fresh beginning, a new start. The debt you had, maybe it's forgiven. You're in good standing again. Your record of wrongdoing is expunged. And you get to start over. And you get $200. That's green or blue or yellow. See, when we're forgiven by God, when we're reconciled to God, we have a fresh start. We have a pardon. And then we're able to walk in newness of life. Our cup is filled. And then we, are, we have something to offer the world around us of reconciliation. One of the greatest 
Uh, movies, now it's been a movie, it's been TV shows, it's been a play, of course, is Les Miserables, or as I call it, Les Miserables. Les Miserables, the miserable ones, the classic story. And to set up this video clip we're getting ready to watch, the main character of Les Miserables, or Les Mis, is a man named Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean convict, released from a French prison. He was tortured horribly by his prison guard in prison, and Jean Valjean is out of prison. He's wandering the streets. He's nowhere to go. He's hungry. He's desperate. And a kind bishop from a local church lets Jean Valjean into his home and feeds him and lets him stay there for the night. And that is where this video clip begins. Check this out. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. reconciled him to God. And as he is reconciled to God, he has peace with God. He's able to walk in newness of life with a new identity. As you continue to read that story, Jean Valjean would, it was a turning point in his life. He was never the same after this. And he would go on to start a business and be a blessing to the community around him. And this is exactly the sort of thing that the Apostle Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When he's talking about how, how God has chosen to reconcile all people to himself through Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. The word here, reconciled in Greek, is the same word that they would use for an ambassador or a diplomat that was armed with a peace treaty. 
It's a restoration of favor. So all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So it's not enough that we're just reconciled to God through Christ, as important as that is. But then God, Paul says God gives us a ministry to be reconcilers in the world, peacemakers. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we hear this about, re- about being reconciled to God, having peace with God, having our cup be filled so that we are then able to pour ourselves out into the lives of others around us. And this sounds good, and it is true, and it is possible, but it is difficult because we live in a world that is full of strife and war and division and accusation. Did you know that over the past 3,530 years of recorded history, there has only been 8% of that time has been times of peace. Over only 286 years of that time period, I saw times of peace. And in the past 3,500 years of recorded history, there have been over 8,000 peace treaties. And they've all been broken. So you could be thinking, okay, that sounds good. Second Corinthians, God is reconciling us to himself, bringing peace But when I look at the world right now, when I look at Apple News on my phone, I don't necessarily see that. So what do we do? First, I would say that apart from having peace with God, being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you will never have peace on this earth. See, it is life by life, soul by soul, decision by decision that God is making all things new. It is life by life. He starts on the unseen, small, individual level, making all things right again. And in a heavily divided nation, more than ever, we need to have words of reconciliation, of peace, of grace, of healing. And the church, Big C Church, is meant to be the main agent of that reconciliation. I mean, even in Matthew chapter 5, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That when we act and do acts of reconciliation to the world around us, we will be blessed when we do so. And we'll be living out our calling as children of God. This is for Christians, for followers of Christ. The world needs to see this more than ever, and it stands out. The church of Jesus Christ is meant to, to belong to no political party. Because when the left or the right takes advantage of the church of Jesus Christ, they will use it to their own advantage every time and divide the witness, our witness, to the world. I mean, truly, how can Christians be peacemakers, reconcilers to the world, if we're always choosing one side? You can't. We can't. We don't belong to those systems. We don't belong to this world. We belong to a different way, a third way, a way of God, a way of Jesus. So what do we do? Somebody listening today needs to hear, draw that chance card. Go back to the start. Collect a lot more than $200. Be reconciled to God first, that we cannot change the world overnight. But God can change you, and he can change me. We can be reconciled to God life by life, transformed, new creations in Christ. Don't just view Jesus through a human point of view, 
but as he really is, as the son of God, the savior of the world. Be reconciled to God. Because when you're reconciled to God, you are filled with the Holy Spirit by faith. We are new creations in Christ. And there's no room in your heart to be divided by anything else. So when God fills us, he fills us with his spirit. We are filled to the fullness of what he intended for humanity, life by life. There's no room for any division when he fills us. We're filled with Christ's spirit. And we are able to then walk in newness of life. We are filled with who he is. See, the way that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you may be asking yourself, I know there's a lot of believers watching, but if you don't know, how do you know to be reconciled to God? We do it by faith. Of course, we do it by faith. Salvation by grace through faith. And this faith, trusting in God, is not from your head, but it's from your heart. We believe in God that Jesus is the, the, will forgive your sins. You believe it in your heart. See, many people today have faith of the head. We intellectually assent that God is real. I believe in God. I certainly don't want to go to hell or anything like that. I believe in God. We, we give an intellectual, mental assent to that, but we're not believing with our heart. But as John Wesley said, this faith of the head from books or learning from other men or women is important, but he says it's ultimately worth nothing. It will bring no remission of sins. Faith of the head only will not bring peace with God. Work to believe with your whole heart, and then you will have redemption of your soul and forgiveness of your sin. Cleansed by the blood of Christ, cleansed from all sin, filled to the fullness that God originally intended for you as you find your design. See, whoever desires to be forgiven and reconciled to God. Do not say in your heart, well, first, I have to go and go to church more. I gotta listen to more sermons. I gotta pray some more prayers. I gotta take the Lord's Supper again. I gotta, I gotta quit this. I gotta stop. I, I can't drink or cuss or chew or go with girls that do that old thing. I gotta clean it all up and then God will love me and then I'll believe. No, this misses the point of reconciliation entirely. When we, when we approach God with our, our, our own efforts, we are assuming that we are God and that we know better than he does. We're attempting to fill ourselves by ourselves. See, we can't do that on our own. We can't substitute God with our own religious efforts. The British preacher John Stott said the concept of substitution and reconciliation, it lies at the heart of both sin and salvation. For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. And the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. See, until we are reconciled to God, the natural state of humanity can do nothing but sin. So, we cannot attempt to fill your life with religious action and stuff that sounds good and then believe. That's backwards. We have to believe in Jesus from your heart for the forgiveness of your sin. Be reconciled to God right where you are and start with that as the foundation of your life.
we cannot fill ourselves with holiness. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We cannot fill ourselves with God's spirit. Only God can do this by us, through us, and in us by his power. And then when we're filled to the fullness of how God has designed us, when we're filled with his spirit, when we're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we then have something to offer the world around us. We are then able to pour our lives into the lives of others, into other situations and things we find ourselves. We have something to offer. We have something of God to give. But you cannot give what you have not already received. Now we've been learning about the Enneagram and many of us hopefully have found out where we are in this spectrum of one through nine and where you fit and, and the wings you may have with your personality and we see the beauty of that and how we're designed and shaped and, and we have such a nuance to our personalities that's almost, it is like a fingerprint that we are completely unique. But then we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with this? So what? What difference does this make? We're not interested in simply navel-gazing. Not that I want to look at my navel very much. But we don't just want to look inward with this and then just put it on a shelf. What do you do with this knowledge with which you have learned? I believe one of the best things you could do with it is learn how to love other people better. Know your weaknesses. For example, I know as a nine, as a peacemaker, one of my weaknesses is a sloth or really kind of spiritual laziness just sort of putting things off. I've been bad about that throughout my life. And so that I know that about myself, I know I have to work harder with God's help to overcome that. And I can love people better now that I know my weaknesses. See, so the Enneagram does help us have better empathy for the world around us. It helps us better understand that everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Everyone has good things that they're, they're celebrating and difficulties that they have to overcome. It gives us empathy with the world around us. You see, everybody you meet has a hidden struggle you cannot see. And we need to be aware of that. See, but, one, but this is not the way to do it. We can't have empathy you know, by saying, well, oh, you're an eight? That's why I never liked you. you know, we can't really do that. That's not the empathy we're looking Oh, you're a four? That's why you got on my nerves. No, that's not what we're looking at here. But once we start to view Christ through a spiritual point of view, through who he is, we then, I think, are, have our eyes be open to look at other people through a spiritual point of view and to see them as immortal souls, just as we are. See, John Wesley said to be quick to judge yourself and lenient in judging others. And I never, that's always good advice. So if you're a Christian, God has entrusted this message of reconciliation to us as, as we are reconciled to God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Then we have a ministry of reconciliation to the world around us, Paul says. This is, reconciliation is a big deal to God. See, there's a lot of things to us that seem like a small deal, but to God they're a big deal. For example, Let's say you are at a stoplight and you're waiting to turn somewhere in your car and there's a homeless person standing there and you feel God nudge you and say, go and talk to that person, pull over, have a conversation. You don't even even do anything. Just listen to them. Just ask their name. But then you say, God, 
McDonald's, is, I gotta go to McDonald's. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> Small deal to us. We can easily sort of pass that off, but it's a big deal to God. Or you're working on your finances for your pay period and you're looking at your money and, and you're thinking, you feel a nudge of the spirit of God, your conscience, saying maybe you should give a little bit extra money to this ministry or this cause or adopt a child through Compassion International or you feel that nudge. God, I would, but Netflix. I mean, I gotta I got watch Netflix. It feels like a small deal to us, but it's a big deal to God. Reconciliation, peace with our neighbors, peace in the, on the, in the world can feel like something we can pass off, can feel like something we can ignore, a small deal, but it is a very big deal to God. Matthew chapter five, Jesus would say literally, so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go and be reconciled. Again, that word pops up, reconciled. Be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. God is more interested in the affairs of our hearts than the actions of our hands. Because Jesus knows that wherever the state of our heart is, you, you can be clean on the outside but be dirty on the inside. And he's saying, you, you have to, I see your heart. I know. So don't pretend. If you have something against you with somebody else, do the best you can to work that out before you come before the altar and offer something in worship. And so once we have this peace with God, this reconciliation with God, as I said, we are entrusted with a reconciliation to the world around us. Of course, Jesus would teach about loving our enemies. Forgive 70 times seven. If a stranger asks you for your shirt, give them your coat. They ask you to walk a mile with them, walk seven. I mean, he talks about this extreme, over-the-top level of love and generosity and reconciliation to those around us. Even in the Old Testament, you see this come up repeatedly. Leviticus talking about giving to the, the foreigner and the, the homeless. And Proverbs chapter 25, King Solomon would write, If your enemies are hungry, give them bread to eat. And if they are thirsty, give them water to drink. For you will heap coals of fire on their heads. And the Lord will reward you. See, we're not called merely not to curse people but we're called to bless people. We're not called to merely refuse to repay evil for evil. Even sinners do that. But we're called to overcome evil with good. Now, why does it say in Proverbs, you will heap coals of fire on the heads of your enemy when you're kind to them? Now, you're probably thinking of an enemy and thinking, I could heap lots of things on those people right now. Coals of fire might be the least of what I would do. I would do far more of heaping then coals. No, what Solomon is saying is when you reach out to an opponent or an enemy with words of actions of reconciliation, it will be painful to that person. And here's why. Well, near the end of Les Miserables, Jean Valjean is a transformed man. That moment with the bishop changed his life. And he would go to the prison card Javert, that that ruined his life in prison. And he would go to that man and offer reconciliation to him. And it was so unbearable to Javert. Well, you'll see what happens if you watch the movie. 
He couldn't handle the amount of kindness and forgiveness offered to him. You see, those who have contempt in their hearts, they want to feel justified in their contempt. And that when we offer reconciliation and empathy and forgiveness, it robs them of that contempt. The goal is not to make someone uncomfortable, of course, or to appear holier than thou. That's just a version of revenge. But as far as you can do, do good to them. Even if they don't return the favor, try to do good with God's help through you, to offer reconciliation and leave the results up to God. Now, there is one last person today that maybe your cup, it's empty. You've been trying to offer reconciliation to the world around you. You've been trying to do it, but you can't give away what you haven't already received. God wants to be reconciled to you and give, have peace with you to fill you with his spirit. And without God's example of first loving us, we're not able to do that. We can't do it in our own strength. 1 John 4, 9 says, we love because he first loved us. That Jesus' love is the archetype, is the example, is the inspiration for our love. And until we know his love, we don't have anything to offer the world around us. And maybe right now it seems you could be in a situation in your life that you wish God would fix it and make it go away. But maybe God wants to fix you before he fixes it. Maybe God wants to heal you before he heals it. Maybe God wants to fill you before he changes the situation. Yeah, your ex-husband or ex-wife, they're not honorable. Yeah, you're having a hard time financially. Your health isn't going the way that you thought it would. But Jesus is with you in the midst of that. And maybe God is saying to us today, take a chance on me. Draw a card. Return to the start. Have peace with me. Receive my pardon. Be filled with my spirit. Receive the forgiveness of your sin that I want to give you. Let me fill you. Be reconciled to to God. Become a new creation. Walk in newness of life. Yeah, maybe God is going to change you before he changes it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the newness of life that you offer. And I pray especially for anyone that feels that their cup is just completely empty today. Thank you, God, that you have mercy on us in those times that you know our weaknesses. You know our brokenness. You know the ways that we fall short. You know the affairs of our lives. You know the things that we can't control. You know the difficulties we face. God, you want us to come back to the start. To come back to the start and receive pardon. Either maybe it's for the the thousandth time in our life to receive that forgiveness of sin or it's the first time today. But to come to you, God, and say, I want to come back to the start again and again. Receive new life in Christ. You are making things new, God. Day after day, you're making all things new. We can't always see it, but you want to begin with us. Forgive us for the ways that we've judged people unfairly. We've tried to fill our cup ourselves. But God, we're tired. 
we don't have, we can't do it, but thank you, God, for your grace that you will do it. You will fill us with your spirit. That's the promise of the gospel, that you will make us new creations in Christ. All those listening and watching now, I pray, Holy Spirit, fill them with a newness of life as they are reconciled to you through Jesus Christ, your son. The hope of the world, restoration of the broken, casting off chains for those that are imprisoned, making all things new, healing, restoration. Thank you, O Lord, for your grace to us on this day. Amen.